thank you, everybody. Thank you. Wow, beautiful day. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thanks for sitting in the hot sun and listening to this. If you get too hot, you can just leave at any point. I won't be offended. <laughs> Today, um, I would like to speak on the topic of trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that's based on Proverbs 3, 5, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for everyone here. And I just pray, Lord, we, we thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would please open the eyes of our hearts to see more and more of your glory and your goodness and your power and your faithfulness and give us faith, Lord, in you and in your word. Just please help me, Lord. I need your help, and I just thank you, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over and over in God's word, he tells us to trust him. We're to trust his character. We're to trust his word. We are to trust him to forgive us our sins. We're to trust God to give us eternal life. We're to trust and obey him. And when, when we have a good friend, we trust them. If we have a good friend and, and he tells us, I'm going to do this for you, we, we trust that he's going to do it. Um, my friend Tim McKelvey, if he tells me that he's going to pick me up to go to lunch, he's gonna, if he tells me he's going to pick me up at 11.58, I know that he's going to be there at 11.58. And if I happen to be late myself and come out to the car at 11.59, Tim will be sitting in the car looking at his watch. Look at me as I come to the... Because I can count on him to keep his word. But every once in a while, Tim will tell me he's going to be there at 11.58. And rarely, but occasionally, he's not. And I love that when that happens because I run out to the street and I stand there looking at my watch as he's coming down the street at 11.59. So, but we do, if, if someone that we know loves us or is a friend, a good friend, if they tell us something, we trust them, we believe their word. And if we trust people, how much more should we trust the Lord? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's Proverbs 3, 5. Well, what does it mean to trust the Lord? First of all, we must trust Jesus to save us, to forgive our sins. And when we trust, when we believe the good news that Jesus Christ is God, and that he became a man, a human being. And he lived a life of perfect obedience to his father. He never sinned once. And he worked all kinds of miracles 
that proved he was God. He opened the eyes of the blind and ears of the deaf. He cured cripples. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He multiplied a few loaves of bread and a few fishes and fed thousands. And then he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he took our place. We should have been the ones to die and suffer for our sins. And the Bible says that God placed all our sins upon Jesus and viewed him as if he had committed them and then punished Jesus for those sins, none of which he committed. We committed. He punished Jesus. Jesus bore the wrath of God that we should have borne, and then he rose from the dead. And that proved that God had accepted his sacrifice. And he ascended into heaven and he is reigning as king of kings and lord of lords and someday he will return for all those who believe in him. And when we believe this good news and call upon Jesus to save us and to forgive our sins, he will do that. He forgives all our sins. And this is what's incredible. He credits God the Father also God the Father credits Jesus's life perfect life of perfect obedience to us as if we had lived Jesus's life because he credited all our sin and guilt to Jesus and so God looks upon all who trust in Jesus all who believe in him God now looks upon us as if we were just as perfectly righteous as Jesus we have the righteousness of Christ that is all a result of trusting God. It's a gift. We trust God. We, we can't earn it. We must just receive it as a gift. And because He has saved us as a gift, we should continue to trust Him all our lives. And so one website called gotquestions.org says, Trusting is believing in the promises of God in all circumstances, even in those where the evidence seems to be to the contrary. This, this is so important. This is why it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding because we must trust God in all circumstances, even when, even those circumstances where the evidence seems to be to the contrary. When we look at it with our eyes, and we, can, we, we, we can be tempted to say, how can there be a God who is in control if this is happening in my life? How can God love me if this is in my life? Yet His Word says He loves us. And so we must believe God's Word even when contrary to the circumstances we're looking at. So it also says in that same site, the practical consequence of faith in God is trust. And so that means we believe God's word. We have confidence in him. We have faith in his promises, even when we can't see how God can possibly fulfill them. We trust in God, even when we can't understand how his word can be true. When I was a young Christian, and many of you have heard me say this over the years, and I'm going to keep saying it. I heard 
a man of God, a, a real godly older man, say this. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And that, that, that was a, a, a saying that really affected my life. I, I still remember. I still quote that to myself over the years. When I'm facing situations that I just don't understand how God can be in control. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And actually, you could say, God said it. That settles it. It's going to be true whether we believe it or not. But I, I believe God's Word. Even when I can't see the answers. That, and and I, I'm not saying this is easy to do. I'm not saying that I just do this very easily. It is a struggle at times. It's, we need God's help. This is a battle. Actually, in 1 Timothy 6.12, Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. It is a fight. It is a battle. It is a battle that, you know, for, from day one to believe God's Word. And I have seen God fulfill His Word. I have seen God keep His promises. But there are still situations in my life, there are still things happening in my life where I have to fight to believe God's Word is true. And you're going to have this fight till the day you die. Not to be Debbie Downer or anything, but the Christian life is a fight. It is a lifelong battle to believe God's Word and to trust in Him when circumstances seem to the contrary. So, but this, this verse we're looking at, at says, first, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, why should we trust in the Lord? And this, this is a huge topic in the Bible, but we should trust in God because He is sovereign over all things. He is in control of all things. Every single atom in the universe. There is a God. And He created the heavens and the earth. The universe is not just some random thing that just popped out of a black hole somewhere. That's, you know, that's, to me, that's harder to believe than there's a God who created it all. He created every single star. And the Bible says He named every star and He does not forget a single one's name. Isn't that incredible? There's billions of galaxies. Each galaxy having billions of stars. God knows the name of each one. If somehow we were able to say, okay, Lord, this star right here, what's its name? He would immediately know. He is sovereign. He's in complete control of, of everything. He knows every single thought of every human being. Imagine a universe that God was not in complete control of. That would be a scary universe. If, if you said, well, God is in control of this part of the universe, but He's not in control of this, that would be scary. But He's in control. In fact, remember the book of Job? Satan, who God created, he's, just, he's a fallen angel, he's not a God. Satan had to come to God 
and ask permission for everything he did in Job's life. And every single time God would say, okay, you can do this, but you may not do this. You can go this far, but you can't go any further. Satan has to ask God for permission for every single thing that he does. God is in control. That's one reason we can trust Him. Another reason we can trust Him is because He is loving and good. Imagine a universe with a God who's in complete control, but He's not good. That would be scary. But the Bible says that God is righteous and He never changes. In Numbers 23.19 it says, God is not man that He should lie or a son of man that He should change His mind. Has He said and will He not do it? Or has He spoken and will He not fulfill it? God is not man. God is not a human being. He doesn't lie ever. And He's not, he's not a human being in that He never changes His mind. God doesn't say, I promise this in His Word. And then later on, God says, well, yeah, I know I promised that, but now I don't. No. We can count on God because He never changes. His Word never changes. He makes perfect promises he never changes his mind he's his plans are perfect and god is infinitely wise again imagine a universe that god would was in complete control of but what if he was not infinitely wise that would be a scary universe God is infinitely wise. He knows exactly what is needed in every situation. He knows exactly when to answer our prayers. He has a perfect timing for each thing you're praying for. And He knows exactly when it's going to happen, even when we can't see it. He knows exactly what is needed to bring about what you're praying for. He knows exactly what to do. He, is, he can direct all things to bring about the answer to what you're praying for. So He's sovereign. He's all-powerful, perfectly just, infinitely wise, infinitely loving. Our God is a loving Father. He cares for us more than any earthly father or mother cares for their children. It says in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, now listen to this, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. God cares for you. The Creator of the universe cares for you and me individually. And He tells us in His Word, cast all your cares on Me. Before Jesus saved me, I thought, well, God is too big. He's, too, he's, got, he's got too much to do to control the universe to hear my peewee little prayers. And then I found out that God cares about me and He wants me to bring my cares to Him and cast them on Him. Even though we might think that they, they seem insignificant to Him. No, they're not. He cares for you and Jesus is our good shepherd says in Psalm 23 he cares for us he's a good shepherd and the ultimate proof that God loves us is that he sent his son he gave his son to die for us so that we could be forgiven and become his children Romans 5 
6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but God, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. I don't know why, but He loves us. So we can trust Him. We can trust this loving God who loves us so much He sent His Son to die for us. Third, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means totally, completely. It says, and do not lean on your own understanding. This is the challenge. And every day of our lives, or at least most days, Am I going to trust in the Lord with all my heart or am I going to lean on my own understanding? That's the challenge. Well, when I look at the situation in my own understanding, I don't see how there's any hope. I don't see how, I don't see how God's going to supply this need. I don't see how God is going to change this person. I don't see how God's going to do this in my child or whatever. So we have to believe God's Word and not lean on our own understanding. That's the big challenge. That's every day. So remember this. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Whether I can see how God's going to do it or not. If God said it, I'm going to believe it. And that settles it. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. That's exactly where Satan will tempt us. He, he, he's not, he hasn't changed since the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, in, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did, did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, no, wait, we, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So first of all, he's even challenging, did God really say this? And she says, no, no. So Satan will attempt to pervert God's Word, which is one reason we should regularly be taking Scripture in so that we know what the Bible says. Because Satan will try to pervert that. But she says, no, God didn't say we can't eat from any tree. We can eat of all the trees except one. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now listen to this. Satan's still doing the same thing today. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And so, here's Eve. She's going to lean to her own understanding. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So, that's what Satan's going to do. He's going to say, did, did God really say that? No. You, you know what? Well, first of all, 
when Satan tries to get us to sin, he'll say, you know what? Nothing's going to happen. You, you can do this. You're not, no, there's not going to be any consequences for sinning. Come on, just have some fun. Do this. He'll challenge. He'll get us to lean on our own understanding. Then he'll lie to us in other ways. He'll say, how can God possibly provide the money you need right now? Look at this. You have no hope. There's no way you're going to get this provision. There is no way. How can God possibly work in the life of this person you're praying to save? (laughs) There's no way. God can't get this guy. God can't save this woman. He's going to lie. And that's trying to get us to lean on our own understanding. Now, that, that happened in Israel all the time. The Old Testament is filled with examples of Israel, the Israelites leaning to their own understanding. And so they were captive. Israel was held captive in Egypt for 430 years. They were slaves. They had no hope of ever escaping from Pharaoh. No way! When you looked at the situation, no way Pharaoh was going to change his mind. But God brought plague after plague after plague upon Pharaoh and Egypt. Things that they never could have imagined. Could you have imagined Israel praying, Lord, please set us free. I know what you're going to do. You're going to send millions of locusts on Egypt. You're going to send so many frogs upon Egypt, they're going to be in Pharaoh's bedroom. No, they, they couldn't have imagined that. We can't imagine how God can work miracles in our lives. Finally, after all these miracles, Pharaoh says, get out, <laughs> leave. And God caused the Egyptians to give gold and silver to Israel as they left. They might have been thinking before they left, how in the world are we going to provide for our families when we leave this place? We've been slaves these 430 years. We don't have anything. Well, God caused the Egyptians to give them silver and gold. Then, again, they were forced to trust in the Lord and not lean on their own understanding. And I can't imagine what this must have been like. They come up against the edge of the Red Sea. This vast body of water. And then they begin to hear a rumbling in the distance from the Egyptian chariots. I just wonder what it would have been like for them. And they, maybe they turned around. I don't know if they could see dust rising in the distance from the chariots. But somehow they, they find out that the Egyptians are coming and they're, they're standing on the edge of this Red Sea. Okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to trust in the Lord? Or are we going to lean on our own understanding? How is God possibly going to save us? Can you, can you imagine that anybody think, I wonder if God can just split the Red Sea in half here? No. <laughs> I'm sure that didn't enter anybody's mind. If I would have been with him, I would have been thinking, I'm dead. I'm a goner. But God has Moses stretch out his hand and his staff over the Red Sea, and the Red Sea splits. They could never have imagined that. The Red Sea parts. A wind comes and parts the Red Sea. See, the, the, the Israelites had been relying on their own they had trusted their own minds and they were ye- yelling at Moses. They were saying, is, there, is it because there's no graves in Egypt you took us away to die in the wilderness? 
What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? And they go on and they said, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So they were leaning on their own understanding. Moses holds out his staff, the Red Sea parts, thrust in the Lord. What circumstances are you facing right now? Some of us, some of you, maybe many of you might be facing your own Red Sea. You might be looking at circumstances and you might be thinking, how, there's no way God can help. God, God has ways to help that we can't even imagine. God can do things that we can't even fathom. Trust in the Lord and do not lean on your own understanding. Once the king of Syria sent out an army to capture the prophet Elisha. And it's, it says in uh, 2 Kings 6, it says, When the servant of the man of God, Elisha, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Can you imagine the servant? Those who are with us? Who? <laughs> then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, we can't see what's going on in the spiritual realm. We're like Elisha's servant. We say, this is impossible. I am surrounded by armies that want to kill me. But Elisha had his eyes on the Lord. And he said, those who are with us are far more than those who are surrounding us. So the question is always this. Will I trust the Lord and His Word or will I lean on my own understanding? Right now, probably most of you are facing something where you're tempted to lean on your own understanding. And I want to encourage you to trust the Lord. So, how can we grow in trusting the Lord? Just very quickly, a couple of suggestions here, a couple of ways that we can grow in trusting the Lord is, first of all, regularly take in God's Word. If you can, make it as much as possible a regular habit to take in God's Word. Read the Bible or listen to the Bible. Some of us, the best time is when we first get up in the morning. I like to just get up, get my cup of coffee, sit down and spend some time in the Bible. It doesn't have to be long. If you're, if you're not in the habit of doing this, just say, okay, I'm just going to take five minutes. But if you can begin a regular habit, maybe your best time is 
is late morning. Maybe your best time is in the evening. But if you can regularly take in God's Word, it doesn't mean that if you miss a day, there's no condemnation or anything like that. But God's Word will build faith in you. And God's Word will help you to trust Him. Because when you're facing those situations, the Holy Spirit will bring God's Word to, my, to your mind. And we can say, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, it looks like this is impossible. But God's Word promises this. So that's the first thing. is Just regularly taking God's Word. If, you, if you're able to, even if you're able to, to memorize some of His promises, you know, you could write them down on a three by five note card and just, you know, every day just take a minute or two to look at this a, a promise from God. But God's word is the key. What am I going to trust? Am I going to trust God's word or my own evaluation? And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We have Bibles here that we'd give for, you know, free as gifts. Um, you can take in God's Word. We, we took in God's Word this morning as we were worshiping. and We were singing truths from God's Word. So that's another way of taking in God's Word is listening to Bible-based worship songs or singing Bible-based songs. Listening to Bible-centered preaching, singing. Ephesians 6 calls God's Word the sword of the Spirit by which we can cut down the lies of the enemy. Also praying. Just when, when you're facing situations, just pray, Lord, please help me to trust You. Please help me to believe You here. Help me, Lord. Help me not to be fearful, Lord. Help me to have faith in You. Casting all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. So if you have never called upon the Lord to save you and to forgive your sins, you can do that in just a minute if you want to. I, I will lead you in a prayer. I'm not, not going to ask you to raise your hand or come forward or anything like that. You know, when, when, we, when we stand up and pray at the end, I'm just going to say a prayer. And if you want it, you can just say the prayer. And you don't have to do it word for word like I do. Just, but call upon the Lord yourself to save you if you've never done that. And for the rest of us, with whatever Red Sea you're facing, you know, we have brothers and sisters, we have a prayer team, I, I assume they'll be available afterwards to pray for you, but brothers and sisters here who'd love to pray for you in your situation, in our, our church, we, we, we want to just pray for you and support you in any way we can if you're facing hard situations. So, why don't we do this? Why don't we stand all together and we'll pray. And first of all, I'll just lead us in a prayer. If you, if you want to call upon the Lord to save you, you can do that and then I'll pray also for the rest of us. So, first of all, if you want to ask Jesus to save you, you can just say a prayer something like this. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just whisper it to the Lord or... Pray silently, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God, and I believe that you became a man, I believe that you lived a sinless life 
of perfect obedience. I believe you died on the cross to pay for all my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. Please save me. Please come into my life. Please become my Lord and Savior. And wash away all my sins. I believe in You, Lord. And I call upon You. Help me to trust You the rest of my life. Now, if you, if you prayed that, then Jesus has come into your life. And you are His child. Let's all pray. Lord, help us to trust You. Help us, Lord, with every situation we are facing. Help us. Please give us faith. Help us to trust in You with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. Help us to believe Your promises. And Lord, we thank You. We are weak, but You are strong. We thank You, Lord, that You love us. You hear our prayers. And You invite us to cast all our cares upon You. Thank You, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.